This is Tyler and Adam's Pretentious Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Adam. Hey guys, uh, we're back for another fun week of uh, talking to cool, interesting people. And this week we're being joined by uh, a, a little associate that we've met. And uh, she prefers to go by the pseudo name Daisy for her own protection and no release of liability. <laughs> and uh, without further ado, Daisy, would you like to kind of give a little... Uh, introduction of your of your own to the to the listeners sure um i'm glad to be here thank you for having me um so actually my pseudonym is dc girl okay sorry Um, about that no worries um so i'm a clinical social worker i work in a psychiatric hospital and also i co-host a mental health podcast called mental diaries however we are changing the name to the podcast so um stay tuned for the new name we'll definitely send tyler and adam the new name so that they can also list it on this episode um so about do you want me to talk about my blog and podcast or yeah sure whatever you feel Um, So yeah, so my best friend and I started Mental Diaries um, during the pandemic last year. She approached me and um, she, we call her uh, followers warriors, people who have mental illnesses um, that struggle with any form of mental health issues. So she's a fellow warrior and told me that she was really struggling during the pandemic. And we just kind of chatted about how the pandemic really changed mental health, Um, you know, we weren't able to do group therapy because the six feet distance rule just did not make sense in the space that we had. Um, one-on-one therapy wasn't possible because many um, therapists didn't know how to do um, teletherapy. So the world of mental health was shooken. And we thought, you know, if we're struggling, imagine how many other people are struggling and just seeing it in where I work in the psychiatric hospital, like patients struggled every single day with the change of scheduling, the change of, you know, I, I couldn't pull them out of their rooms. I had to literally stand at their door and be like, Hey, how are you doing today? How's your depression? Um, suicide rates skyrocketed in the unit. So we made mental diaries, keeping in mind all of our warriors who didn't have that outlet or resource during the pandemic. And then it kind of turned into us sharing our own experience with mental health and just talking about topics surrounding mental health, surrounding the media. And then we for the podcast here and we just chat about mental health on there. Nice. Hey, no, that's uh, really interesting. And now, it's an important topic, too. Yeah, no, I feel like this is a topic that isn't discussed enough, first and foremost. I feel that mental health as a whole should be given way more focus than it does. And, I mean, that's across the board. Just in general and with young people and men, men seem to be heavily uh, unre- underrepresented in the mental health space. And... I don't know. I just I think this is a really cool opportunity to be able to talk to you today about all of this. And uh, thank you once again for making time to come talk to us about it. Of course. Thank you for having me. And of course, you're right. Mental health is not spoken about enough. Um, One of our goals at Mental Diaries is to not only start the conversation, but continue it. Um, And as for male mental health, it's funny that you brought that up. Um, My partner and best friend, she is a huge advocate for male mental health. We've done a podcast episode and a blog post on it. Oh, and 
Yeah. Um, so we, we actually kind of, uh, battle it out on the podcast because we have very different views when it comes to male mental health. Um, so I, I don't know if I brought this up earlier, but I'm South Asian. So I'm, my family's from India and she's Colombian. So she kind of represents the Latina side and I, uh, represent the South Asian side and how mental health among the male community is perceived is very different. And so we we chatted about that, how like Latina guys are told, you know, boys don't cry. And you're taught that from a very young age. And then, you know, as an adult, you've learned to just not show any emotions because if you do, then you're considered weak. Yep. See, no, that's, uh, we've, I, I will give a little backstory of my own. And I mean, I'm kind of getting into some personal stuff here, but I am actively, in a an outpatient program for uh it's like a an outpatient rehab for recovering addicts and a big topic that we have begun to focus on is male mental health and uh, and we talked about the very thing that you're talking about like with latino men being told that they're not supposed to cry and how they bottle that up and the negative effects that come from that it's sort of uh it's it, it like splinters out and it causes all of these other problems and exacerbates other aspects of your mental health just because you're, you know, you're told to repress this and you're told not to allow your emotions to be seen and you bottle that up and you have no way to properly release any like of a that. healthy outlet. Yeah. Yeah. You have no outlet. And it's just really interesting that you bring that up. Yeah, I mean, substance abuse, I'm glad you brought that up. And I hope your journey through recovery is a positive one, because recovery is such an important topic and one that is constantly shunned upon. People don't like talking about it. You once you are labeled a quote unquote druggie, that's it. Like, that's who you are. There's no coming back from that. And especially in the, you know, males, substance abuse is huge. And that's one coping skill that they know that they can use and no one's going to be like, well, why do you drink so much? Or why do you use drugs? Cause it's just, Oh, you know, he's just doing what he's got to do to bring food on the table. You know, that's, that's exactly right. I will tell you this. Whenever I first started this program, I did not have a real grasp on the extent of who I was and why I did the things I did. I thought that they were independent. I thought that my, you know, my drug or alcohol use was, and just for the record, I was put in this program due to drinking, but I have a history of substance use myself and I, I will own up to that. I, I'm not ashamed of that anymore. And it's, it's one of those things that you don't realize how interconnected they are. And there's a reason why people that, you know, battle with mental health uh, disabilities or any, any issue or imbalance of any kind tend to become addicts or they're more uh, predisposed to becoming addicts because of it's just all of it. Adam, do you have any, anything to chime in with that? I have too much to say, honestly, please, please. Share. <laughs> I'm just the same. Like I grew up in the South where it's very traditional, like in Alabama, you know, growing up in the nineties, even it was like that same um, idealism of like, you know, big boys don't cry, things like that. And like, even as an adult, like I've realized like because of things like that and that expectation from society that I find it very hard to like express my emotions. And when I do, it's kind of a, you know, lightning in a bottle scenario. Yeah, I tend to overdo it when I do. Yeah. 
I, I wear my heart on my sleeve whenever uh, whenever that sleeve comes off. It's uh, I can't roll it back up again. I guess it's a weird analogy. <laughs> like I have a heart like I tend to overdo it whenever I do uh, express myself. I have no balance or anything. And I think that that's something that stems from not being able to properly express myself whenever I was younger. Yeah. Uh, Desi, what's your what's your take on all of this? Um, so from my experience working with um, warriors with substance abuse history, typically there's a mental health issue that was never resolved or never identified. Um, so there's a term called co-occurring disorder, a dual diagnosis. Have you heard that term before? No, please explain it. So that's when someone may have a mental illness and uses substances to uh, self-medicate to mm. kind of hinder, like not hinder, um, mask those mental health symptoms. And then in that they turn, they have a substance abuse disorder because now they're addicted to whatever substance they were using or vice versa due to using substances, they developed bipolar disorder, um, depression, schizophrenia. So um, from the clinical standpoint, when I have a patient coming to me and they have a substance abuse disorder as well as a mental health disorder, it's very difficult to differentiate, okay, so who do we focus on first? Do we focus on the mental illness or do we focus on the substance abuse? Because oftentimes they're linked together. They're, they're tied in like together. Like it's so un it's so hard to untie them because how, how from an outsider perspective am I supposed to be like, okay, so you had bipolar disorder and then that's why you started using meth or, you know, because you started using meth, now you're experiencing psychosis. So we're going to address that. Mm. So as from the clinical standpoint, it's, you're, you're describing it absolutely to the T because you, you've been taught not to express those emotions or, you know, maybe you've never felt comfortable enough to express your emotions. And then now you have this sort of freedom to express them. And now you're just like combusting, like, let me just tell you everything that's mm -hmm. been in my heart for the past 20 years. And, you know, from, you know, and I talk from the professional standpoint, but I'll also talk from the, you know, warrior standpoint, I have generalized anxiety disorder and a TBI. And I've, I was, as a female, I was taught, you don't express your emotions, stop being a crybaby. You need to keep it together and it needs to be shut in a box far, far away from society. Mm. And essentially when I went to college was when I was like, oh, now I can actually express myself and say, I'm really upset because X, Y, and Z happened. Or it's okay for me to just decompensate and cry all day and eat ice cream and watch Grey's Anatomy because <laughs> tomorrow's a new day and I can start all over again. Right. I was never really allowed to kind of process what was going on. And I, you know, as an adult now, I still do it. Like it takes, you know, days of things to battle up. And then I'm like, okay, so now I'm just going to break down crying because there's no ice cream in the fridge. But in actuality, <laughs> it's because, you know, my boss was yelling at me at work, you know, patients are doing this, Um, you know, yeah. I got in an accident. So it's like, it, it's really hard to have a healthy balance of being able to express your feelings and emotions in a way that you don't feel like you need to numb them. Yeah. Like I've been in the same scenario. Like when you said, like you'll just start crying uncontrollably because there's no ice cream in the fridge. It's like the smallest inconvenience just triggers you and just sets off all of that. Mm -hmm. and yeah. I, I, so not, not to like interrupt you, uh, but I kind of relate to that too. Like I will hold my, I will be very stoic uh, in my emotions and I will carry myself in a strong manner, at least to the outside world for a long time. And then 
something ha- will happen and it won't even seem all that significant but it's like the breaking point yeah and it's like the final the final like board breaks in my building and i just like lose all capability and it's to usually the dumbest myself. thing that sets you oh off. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really interesting how that works no and i mean if you talk from like the outside perspective so like you know a friend who may not be well aware with mental health they're like dude why are you crying over that that's such a dumb thing to cry about and that's something i experienced growing up was like why are you crying i don't get why you're crying over this is such a dumb reason to cry and i think as a society we we're just trained to just be like well why are you showing emotions over that like it needs to be something major like a death in the family or you know you went to war like it's almost like yeah. we measure pain, we measure feelings and emotions and whether or not we're allowed to feel those feelings and emotions for whatever scenario. And in actuality, like everyone's different, right? Like what may upset you may not upset me and vice versa. So I think as a society, we need to start labeling things, stop measuring things and kind of saying, look, is this how you're feeling today? I got you. I'm here for you. What do you need from me? Yeah. Like I, I respect that, and I 100% agree with you. Now, I just got to ask, uh, what exactly got you into your field? It sounds like you kind of have a... Like a driven purpose. Yeah, like what, what was the spark for you that made you realize that this is what you wanted to do? Uh, okay. So it's kind of a long journey. Um, I entered college as a pre-law major. And the only reason I did that was because I enjoyed arguing and I enjoyed (laughs) it was it was really weird. But that was like something I just enjoyed doing. And I was like, oh, well, you know, lawyers argue and they, you know, advocate for people. (laughs) So I was like, why not become a lawyer? Um, I quickly realized after my second poli sci class, I did not like it. And then I went on and decided I'm going to become a psychiatrist because I want to become a doctor. And that's what you're supposed to do when you're Indian. Right. So. (laughs) I went that route, took a few bio classes, and the idea of going to med school just was too daunting to me. So I was like, nope, that's not happening either. <laughs> um, and during this time was when my counselors at at my college were like, hey, I think you have anxiety. You need you need to talk to somebody. You need to figure that out because if you continue living like a stamp collector, as they call it, like you just collect stamps and then when that free one comes, that's when we combust. Yeah. Um, that's when I, you know, started taking more like behavioral psych classes. And that's when I realized I'm like, oh, like that's me. I have generalized anxiety disorder. Oh, wow. Like maybe I should try meditation or deep breathing or, mm. you know, and it kind of just went from there. Like um, I wanted to become a psychologist, but I didn't really like testing. Um, I enjoy more of the therapy aspect of it, problem solving, kind of helping um, the patients navigate with their current situation. So I interviewed a few social workers in my town and they told me what their day looked like. And I started working at a psychiatric hospital as a volunteer coordinator. And it just went from there. Then I went in, I currently work at a psych hospital and I'm currently working towards becoming licensed so I can do private practice. Nice. What's your uh, What's your end game? Are you gonna... You're just gonna keep pushing further and further, and uh, reach uh, to the reach the point where you're a full blown psychiatrist. Or oh no no no, um, I'm done. I can't go back to school anymore. <laughs> but um, mental health diaries is my passion project. I'm hoping to get that picked up 
with my um, best friend, Lady DMC, and we're hoping to work with the community. We live in Southern California. So here in SoCal, there's not that many mental health opportunities aside from when it's like National Substance Abuse Awareness Month or Mental Health Awareness Month. So we kind of want to develop something here in the community, a resource for all ages and just have this conversation going because I'm, I'm tired of hiding my superpower and I'm tired of feeling like because I'm not quote unquote normal or what a normal 30 year old should look like or behave like I I shouldn't like I should look down on myself I should have low self-esteem so we want to we want to break that stigma around mental health I have a great respect for that hey uh thank you for sharing that by the way um so just to kind of paint a picture for both us and our listeners what what's an average day look like for you like an average day on the job Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, don't don't be afraid to What is average in your like, field? Like, <laughs> yeah, what is average, please? <laughs> um so I work with patients who cannot um they they forgot the word, but they can't stand trial. They're not competent. Oh, gotcha. Um so an average day is I walk in and they're screaming. There's headbanging, there's feces thrown, <laughs> um, urine bags thrown. Ooh. It's a very, it's like a war zone <laughs> with um, bodily fluids. And um, we have like a 30 minute me meeting of like, hey, you know, so-and-so did this last night. So-and-so acted like this. So-and-so went to the hospital because they engaged in self-harm. Um, we have a lot of substance abuse as well in the units. We have accidental overdoses. Um, therapy wise, it is, it's not entertaining per se, but it's, it's interesting. Like the things that the patients say, it's pretty interesting to me. Um, but we have a lot of crises and the crises are not for, and this sounds judgy, but the crises are not crises. They're more like, well, I wanted a peanut butter sandwich and they gave me a bologna sandwich. So I'm just going to sit here and bang my head on the wall. Um, it was like damage control from there. Yeah, so it's like really, I feel like I'm parenting. Like, you know, okay, let's figure out how can we use our words. Like, we don't need to bang our head or assault another patient. Like, how can we, how can we express how we're feeling and get our needs met? <laughs> so you say that these patients aren't fit to stand trial. Do you uh, deal with a lot of uh, criminal, criminal patients that have uh, done? like crazy stuff, like not, I'm sorry if that's not the right word for it, but you know what I mean? Um. So yeah, they, they're accused of some crime and they're not, because of their mental state, they're not able to stand trial. So they come to the unit and we help to stabilize them again. Um, we're kind of like an emergency room for mental health. Hmm. So okay. yeah, we just stabilize them. And then when they're stable enough, then, you know, they go back to what was the previous plan. Um, but we've had patients who just never stabilize. Hmm. So are you, uh, I, I'm sorry if it seems like I'm digging too deep, but I mean, I just got to know, like, uh, do you like what's what's the kind of the craziest situation that you've seen come through? I mean, if you're able to share that. Um, like the craziest like case. Yeah. Well, yeah or like, what do you think the most difficult mental diagnosis is to uh 
rehabilitate? Well, maybe both. I mean, I feel like those are two separate questions, but I, I mean, I'm sorry once again, if I'm digging too deep, but just for the sake of uh, the listeners and, and myself, I, I just, I'm interested in that. What is the craziest thing you've seen come across your desk, so to speak, both both uh, literally or figuratively? Um, okay, so I'll answer the first question. What's the craziest case I've had? Um, so the craziest case I had was I had a patient who he had borderline personality disorder. Mm. Um, I don't know. What if is that? Um, so borderline personality disorder is when a patient um, I don't know how to use it without clinical terms. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of like they use manipulative tactics to get their needs met, but it's not because, you know, they have mal intentions. It's because they just don't know how to, you know, ask for their needs to be met in a proper manner. So like mildly sociopathic? Um, no, no, no. It's not that extreme. Okay. So like an, <laughs> an example is like, um, someone telling you, if you leave me, I'm going to kill myself or so kind of use like manipulation is kind of their coping skill in Mm. how to get their needs met. Gotcha. Um, But so this patient had borderline personality disorder and was also using cocaine, meth and um, alcohol. Mm. And every single day, I don't think a day went by that he did not attempt to take his life and it wasn't because he wanted to die it was because that was the only way he could get attention from mm-hmm. me and the other unit staff members and um i just remember one time he was super high and i you know we all had informed staff and he ended up um just like he just fell like fell to the ground and he took down like everyone who was holding him down with him mm. <laughs> and he just broke down crying and started singing let it go from frozen oh wow <laughs> interesting <laughs> and i was like oh, i didn't you know i'm trying not to laugh thank god yeah. i had a mask on <laughs> i was like oh, <laughs> i'm trying not to laugh and i'm like okay like are you okay like let's yeah. let's get you to the hospital and interesting he, choice he <laughs> just, did he sing it well that's the question no it was out of tune it was, it was out of tune and i'm uh, like please stop just stop stop yeah. stop <laughs> and he <laughs> But, um, and, you know, they drug tested him, did all that. And he, he had, before he had like had his whole spiel done, he had put something on his head to keep his temperature high. And mm. it was like 107 temperature. Oh. And like staff was just freaking out. Like, how does he have 107 temperature? And he's still like, he was really high. Yeah. Really, really high. And I was like, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Like, we got to figure this out. And it ended up happening. He had, they, I guess they have outlets in their rooms. Figure out a way through the outlet to warm up this, like, towel. that He was super smart. Like, warmed up the towel, put it on his forehead, and knew exactly when um, staff was going to come to his door to knock for food. And that's right when he like did his whole scene and it took them a good eight hours to figure out what happened. Cause he was doing it so well. Cause they would send him back to his bedroom yeah. to, to wait, but nobody looked inside to see that there was this whole contraption in there. 
shenanigans going on in the room. Yeah. Yes. And I that's, that's, that's impressive. I'm that is impressive. <laughs> I'm not gonna I, lie. I don't know if I would be able to engineer that. <laughs> that's that's crazy. I, I just, and I hadn't noticed either because I'd gone back and forth like every 15 minutes I was over there. I'm like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Like, do you feel sick? And it, it got us up. And I finally like saw it and I'm like, what is that? And he's like, oh, that's my, my laundry machine. And I was like, how in the world do you have a laundry machine in your bedroom? And that's when they figured it out that he had like gotten paper clips and staples and like used like cloth. He, I mean, he, it was a whole contraption, very well engineered. And he's not even an engineer. So I don't know how he thought of it, but. <laughs> Just MacGyvered the whole thing. Yeah, trial and error. I mean, but <laughs> very I'm, motivated. It sounds like very. And it, like the end game was, he just wanted um, an ice cream cone. That that was the whole point of this whole scandal. Uh -huh. <laughs> that was a very elaborate <laughs> plan for an ice cream cone, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, wow. it, was, it. Yeah, I was like, okay, we're we're going. You can't be in here. You're a danger to everyone else in here. Yeah, that's terrible. We're gonna burn down the place. Yeah, exactly. And oh, man. the second, um, so the second question is the hardest diagnosis for me is borderline personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder. It's just, I, it's so exhausting to go back and forth. Like, if you don't do this for me, I'm going to do this. And they follow through most of the time. So then you have to be like, oh my gosh, I know you're going to do it. So how am I going to not give you what you want, but then still keep you safe? Oh, that's a lot of pressure. So uh, how would you define borderline personality disorder because i've heard this term uh mentioned before and i don't know i just want to hear your take on what exactly that is so like in the not i don't just know because, size it's just, so, just the thought of the word drains me it's having a long extensive pattern of unstable relationships um, very poor sense of self, like thinking that you're not good enough. And the only way you can even achieve anything is to engage in bad behavior. Um, and just have like, I mean, their emotional reaction is, uh, I mean, have you guys ever seen Alice in Wonderland, the cartoon? Yes. yes. So do you know that scene when she drinks some potion and then ends up crying herself a river and it's in the bottle and says, oh, yeah. dear, I should." that's literally them. They huh. will go from zero to a million in less than a second. And it's like, what happened? You were just fine. Like, what just happened? <laughs> no, that's I mean, that is very descriptive of uh, somebody I know. Yeah. And uh, same person I'm thinking of. Yeah, I've heard that term thrown around as a possible diagnosis, and it may have become a diagnosis by this point. Um, I haven't checked in recently on that, but it's just interesting to hear your explanation, and it uh, it makes a lot of sense. So thank you for. I heard you sigh at the beginning <laughs> at the beginning of that. <laughs> it's a very exhausting diagnosis. Like, I mean, the, typically patients with. BPD, unless they've gotten some form of therapy prior, they go, they literally therapist, therapist shop because the therapist ends up getting exhausted because mm. of those that back. And it's, you know, again, I'm not blaming them. It's the mental illness that's causing all of this, but it's such an extreme, like you go really, really highs and really, really lows with them. And it's the reaction to things. And it goes back to like that sense of poor self um self-esteem and this feeling of abandonment and feeling like you're not enough or worthy 
So I, I try, but it's exhausting. I mean, the word just exhausts me. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this as a follow-up. You mentioned dealing with narcissistic uh, patients as well. Uh, I feel like based off my own research, I'm not like a, you know, I'm not accredited or anything like that. So it's probably completely wrong. But uh, within the past like year or so, uh, I dated somebody that did not work out well and I did not take it well after we broke up and all that stuff. Anyways, what I, from my research, it seems that they have a lot of traits that align with narcissistic personality disorder. And I was wondering what are some of the main like red flags to acknowledge that in the, like in the early stages of knowing a person with that disorder? Um, so typically a person with narcissistic personality disorder, like has this need for admiration um, and they have no regards for other people's feelings and emotions. So like a good example is in children, typically mm. they are, you know, showered with love and affection and, but at the same time, their, their parents say, well, but you're just never enough. You, you don't meet my standards or you're never going to be as good as me. And then that kind of need to having to beat my parent or needing to be better than them turns into, I don't care any, about anyone or anything. I know I'm better than everyone else. I don't really care what other people think of me. And I mean, ultimately it leads to you have no, it's a filter literally dies. I feel like in your head because huh. you, you don't have that regard for anybody else. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no, that's uh Sorry, that was for my own like, you know, satisfaction of like just making sure that I wasn't wrong. <laughs> yeah, we've discussed this briefly yeah, yeah. in the past. Um <laughs> anyway, you know, just just to further broaden that whole topic, what's what's your opinion or general outlook like yours personally on just mental health in our like, you know, current society and like like now, like as a whole, everybody. And do you think it's getting better or worse as a society? I mean, I would argue that like just right off the bat that it's probably uh, deteriorating with uh, social media and Pandemics. the pandemic does not help. It definitely exacerbates it. But hardcore elections. It's just like I think <laughs> in an online world, uh, mental health is only suffering because people are holding themselves to a much higher standard. And they, everything is, I don't know, everything's appearances nowadays. And I, I don't know, what, what is your take on all of that? I, I love how you put it, that everything is of appearance. That's literally how I feel mental health is right now in today's society. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like we put this facade on um, for what is expected of us or what we want people to think. And we're not being really true to ourselves, which leads back to what I had said earlier that we, when people are emotional or going through something or say, hey, you know, I need to express that whatever you said or did impacted me negatively, we don't take it well. We say, well, then you're just being a crybaby or you're trying to being play victim. Ever. Yeah. Right. And so, um, like, I'm, I love social media and um, I, I'm like at that cusp when like I didn't have a MySpace. MySpace was like phasing out when I was old enough to have social media and Facebook was being introduced. And I remember just us, the bullying and the harassing that would happen on, happen on Facebook never happened in person. Yeah. 
And I'd be like, you, you said some pretty nasty things to me last night on Facebook. And here you are trying to become my best friend. I just feel like technology has created this, this shield for us that shouldn't be a shield because yeah. so many people are getting away with so much. I mean, the amount of suicides that have happened because of social media, it, it shouldn't be happening. Like, I think I graduated high school in 2006 and I think about it like if I had social media back then in high school, like I probably wouldn't have made it. It's like it's so extreme how it can be. Like I can't imagine what it is in today's society. See, I, I did the social media thing. Uh, it was I was a teenager uh, during the big, big run of MySpace uh, into the phasing into I think it was it was like. 17 or 18 whenever facebook really became a thing and everybody kind of started migrating over but I, face, I remember i was on facebook when you had to have a college email address to log in before it went public well look at you mr college I'm old, man. okay but, <laughs> i'm old but no like it my, myspace really didn't have that toxic and i'm sure it did to some people but uh, i didn't really see much of that same stuff that you know happened on facebook there wasn't as much toxicity but also you were out of high school by the time facebook got public yeah and that's that's true compared um, to like 10 years time that's passed but even even now like i've still been able to see the disparity between the two like myspace was pretty kosher and then the toxicity really started to begin with facebook and i don't know that top eight was really competitive i, I that was the worst <laughs> thing we had to worry about is <laughs> all of, like I don't, I don't I just don't see the the same it didn't carry over like MySpace seemed still like friendly everybody was worried about their you know what their page looked like they weren't worried about attacking each other teaching us had a code <laughs> yeah, on the low, like, low down you know and uh, I I just think it is evolutionary like it's happened as time has gone on people have began to harness uh, social media and it has become both more useful and more powerful for good and bad. I think it's more bad. If that makes any sense to, to you guys, I don't know. It what, what do you think? So I so Facebook was more like through Messenger than on the wall. Because on the wall, like everyone could see our comments, right? right. So I think with Facebook it for me was it was messenger because no one knew the conversation and then back then i think facebook actually would delete the conversation once you click the x so it was mm. never there right um and then once instagram came into play bullying cyberbullying changed it was oh my gosh you look so fat or what's wrong with your nose and that body dysmorphia increased in that sense because both men and women started editing their pictures i mean i I'm laughing because I just thought of this meme. Have you guys ever seen that meme with Medea saying, please stop editing yourself because if you get lost, we're not going to know like how to <laughs> find you because your pictures don't look like you? I have not seen that, but that's but I love it. I love it already. I'll send it to you. Um, and so, I mean, this, it's so true because I, I see people on social media. I'm like, oh my gosh, like you don't look anything like what you look like in real, in real life. life yeah and exactly what happened you know did we have surgery like what, what happened because like <laughs> you look night and day here but you you see it like i i see it on our mhd page all the time the harassing and the bullying of people <laughs> saying oh i can't believe you didn't do this or you said this or why do you only have two likes on here yes yeah. so i think cyber bullying 
evolved when Instagram came into play. And then when Snapchat came in, I mean, it escalated because Snapchat's just like what Facebook was like early on. Everything goes away once you close the window. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. These, you know, with Instagram, you see these Instagram models or whatever they want to be called. And uh, it's the the Coke coffee. He's Adam's pointing at my can of soda and I'm trying to explain what it is. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> try it. Oh, that's awful. It's coffee with Coke. It's great. That's, ew. Anyway. But sorry. as I was saying. Um, <laughs> I'm like, having a Coke right now, too. <laughs> I, I discovered these last night, and I, I love them now, so oh, I had to have another. But <laughs> as I was saying, like you mentioned with Instagram and uh, people, that becoming like the focus, like the imagery becoming more of the focus and sort of the rise to bullying, you know, on just not even with bullying, but just like with mental health, I noticed that these same people that would be considered your Instagram influencers or the social media influencers and they're just like really popular people online with huge followings. The minute you get them into a real world situation, they shut down and they don't know how to function. And it's just a really interesting effect. It's like they live their entire lives and their entire personality becomes based on this character that they've their created online. Media presence. And I think that they lose a sense of who they are. It makes people hollow. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. What, how do you feel about that? What do you think, Daisy? So I feel like the Kardashians started that, though. Like those influencers. Like I didn't even know that was a real job. Because if it was, <laughs> I would have done it. Right? Do we call it a job? Though it's a, I mean. yeah. Um, I'm looking for the article right now. It is actually a job now. So you can yeah. actually write down your resume and say, "I was an Instagram influencer." That's oh horrifying. Yeah, I mean, and I think the Kardashians started, like, kind of developed what an influencer is, but the actual, like, title, per se, it was the Bachelor franchise. I mean, have you noticed every person that goes on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or Bachelor in Paradise turns once they leave the show? Yeah, and it's all just product placement, and uh, yeah, basically. Right, I mean, you... Right, you caused a muck in the house, created some drama, and now you have like millions of followers for what? Like because you acted like a brat in the house. Like and now that's you drink what we're seeing on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it's it, this whole influencer thing, and we. I mean, look, we call ourselves mental health influencers, but we're not out there, you know, just posting pictures of ourselves. We're trying to spread a message about mental health. But I don't really get this influencer job title. And if anyone does, like, let me know how I can become one. <laughs> Sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, if you can't beat them, join them, make a profit. You know, like, right? <laughs> you don't see that posted on Indeed. So. <laughs> I think that's no, in your I own looked hands. it up. I looked seriously. I looked it up. I was like, oh my gosh, what if this is how? Because I've asked. Like, I'm not joking. I've literally messaged these influencers. I'm like, how do you become an influencer? I want to know never get a response but then i looked at indeed monster um all these we like job searching websites i can't find it so i'm not quite sure how you become one <laughs> i think uh i think this, the first step is to influence and uh i think you're you're on your way with that i mean it sounds like you're dude no i'm not gonna lie this girl that we used to work with our first season oh season i'm sorry to drop names sorry but... not to name drop sorry uh i just looked her up on instagram <laughs> She did a Miss Earth pageant, which I think is something. But anyways, no offense to her. It's not anything offensive. But she caught traction 
and she has like over 10,000 followers on Instagram, you know, it's like, because she just poses by a pool in a bikini. And I was like, how? And I know that she makes a profit off of it. I wish that. But when we knew her, <laughs> she wish. was just a coworker. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Some it's random girl that we met at work. Well, you it's, know? <laughs> it's like uh, that. The, I sent you that commercial. <laughs> yeah, that commercial. Yeah, Tyler here. He used to hang out with a girl uh, that was cool. She was cool. She, yeah, that's she the best street way. smarts. We'll say that. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. And, <laughs> was, uh, now she's in an Xbox commercial with all for one. <laughs> yeah, very random. Just uh, super confusing. Also, for an Xbox commercial, it makes no sense. Just on YouTube. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. I used to work with her, and then yeah. I just <laughs> this is the most bizarre thing. But just to dial it back into the topic Sorry, yeah. but no no that was that was hilarious it's all right <laughs> but do you feel that social media causes a dissociative effect on society where people are losing connection their with grasp on reality? reality yeah <laughs> oh absolutely i will i'm one of those people like i i'm a homebody and literally my friendships are maintained through social media yeah, not to call you out or anything. <laughs> I was just like wondering what your thoughts were on that. And uh, do you think that that's an inevitable, and this might be getting a little uh, philosophical now, but do you think that that's an inevitable step in like societal evolution for humans? Uh, as our technology increases, we become uh, more le less dependent on face-to-face -face, uh, organic interactions and sort of become more ingrained into the uh, cyberspace, so to speak. Do you, does that make sense to you? No, it makes perfect sense. I'm just trying to think like how I can organize my thoughts because- um, I was thinking about a thread on that question. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so like, hold on, I need to catch everything. To you, yeah. I like, hang on, I'm looking. But go ahead. So for me, I can see a negative impact in my habits of maintaining my relationships through cyberspace because, you know, I do face-to-face -face contact with my patients and it's just so much more work to me. I feel like, oh, that's so draining. Like I could sit at a computer and just have all these therapy sessions and call it a day. I feel like it's more of a convenience. You know, you can have five, six conversations at the same time sitting in the comfort of your home through Facebook or Instagram or texting. Whereas if I was in front of you, like my intention, my attention is like right at you. Like I can't be talking to Joe and silly and all right. that. So I, for me, I think it's, yes, I think as technology increases and as it improves, we're going to rely on it and it's going to be our, our world pretty much. But that's, that scares me because why, what value I feel like you talking to me and this is just like the whole scenario, like let's say versus you. Okay. You talking to me and just me face to face versus you talking to me and also having a conversation simultaneously with Joe and Cindy and Billy all at the same time. I feel like there's a huge sense of interpersonal ability lost. Yeah. And relationships are going to struggle or at least be, I feel like uh, social media, which seems to make us like the idea of it is to connect us more. Um, what's the word? Uh, conveniently, you know, but at the same time, it causes that social discord to where we only know each other as our social our media presences. And that divides us, you know? Yeah. I, I feel that as time goes on, if we continue on this path, we are plagued 
to we're, we're going to be resigned to not having uh, as meaningful of a relationship with the people that we have relationships with. Because now you're, you're in a world, you're in a society where you can have a thousand friends, 2000 friends, but how many of them are really your friends? Well, yeah, but also that one you thought you knew they share one meme that goes against your personal core beliefs. And you're like, Whoa, I never saw that person that way. And that's also not a good thing. No, it's not because we are so easily swayed by that, that, like myself included, I will own up to that, that I, my opinion of people have been changed big of you. entirely based on a single, single thing they shared, a single comment that they made. And, you know, before that, that wasn't a thing, you know, they might've said something that upset me, but we're able to work past that mm-hmm. because it's not staring me in the face. Right. And without repercussion, I, I you know, Daisy, I'm just uh, trying to, like, th- this is how I feel about it. And there is no right or wrong way to look at this. I, it's just an observation. And I, I do hope you understand that. I just want to hear your take on it. And like, you know, from your, with your profession, like what your personal views of all of this are. So um, I'll kind of share an example with myself. So I have generalized anxiety. And so, you know, when we started, podcasting and then you know this you guys are my first like guests i'm your show is the first guest i've done so <laughs> yeah thank you so much for thank you so much to be the first <laughs> yes thank you for having me um i was really nervous i didn't sleep at all thursday <laughs> night i'm like oh my god like what if i mess up and i oh, she didn't sleep things. for two days now and then when you canceled night. and then you canceled yesterday due to technical difficulties i was like oh my god like now i have to like and i'm like okay i'm gonna take <laughs> notes and like and i forgot the notes at home and then i was like oh my gosh like now what am i gonna say and i remember you telling me like are you chatty because we're really chatty and i'm like i really am chatty you just gotta kind of get me to talk because i'm super anxious but um like if we were to video like record this i wouldn't be so chatty right now because my anxiety would be uncontrollable right now yeah no you're doing great dude yeah you're killing it you're killing it you're doing you're doing a great job I feel you on the anxiety thing. Uh, if we constantly, had a camera, uh, we both have anxiety yeah, constantly. If we had a camera rolling right now, I would show you my nubs that are my fingernails. Like I have the worst anxiety. I smoke like He's a. He's also chimney. got bad tattoos on his knuckles. You know that is. So that's something to be ashamed of. I don't understand <laughs> what that had to do with anything. I have finger tattoos, and for some fingers, reason, you gotta show the for some reason, Adam <laughs> felt the need to bring up my shitty tattoos on my fingers. He's but, taking steps to get them taken off. See, oh. you're the problem with mental health in today's society. I cause I cause his mental health problems. <laughs> He's bullying me. Do you see? Oh. This is our friends. We can do a give and take. It's fine. No, it's it's all good. It's all good. I just, uh, I don't know, got a, got a little loud there for a second. We'll have a, we'll finish this conversation <laughs> we'll, after we We'll have this privately. It's fine. We'll fight it out. But no. <laughs> thank you so much for uh, choosing to come on again. Yeah, we uh, do appreciate you. You're amazing. Today, despite depriving yourself of sleep Thursday night, I do apologize once again for the technical difficulties. Uh, Adam can attest to the fact that I was literally freaking the freaking the fuck out he like, really was he was, was like stressing good. out way too much i'm like dude you're giving me anxiety stop <laughs> sitting here screaming at the laptop uh wondering why it was choosing that exact moment to start going downhill on me and then 
Yeah, it's it's been uh, I, I've been stressed out too. So you're not the only one for different reasons. No, I and again, I totally get it. And I, as I said earlier, that we have a flex alert, so our power went out, so it probably wouldn't have worked anyway. <laughs> See, it all worked out. But um, going back to what your question was, I, I think, <laughs> sorry, I just really want to answer the second part because I <laughs> question. Yeah, please go ahead. Um, I think technology gives those that have anxiety that cushion, like, okay, I'm going to try to be, you know, social, but I still have that comfort of my home or a screen between me. So if I need to bounce, all I have to do is hang up or press the X. So it's non-confrontational. Non right. But then at the same time, now, if I go out into the big world, I don't have the skills to deal with conflict because right. there's no like, okay, boop. You know, you're close. <laughs> like it's oh Can't my god. Block people IRL. Yeah. Right. And that's <laughs> I have younger cousins, and that's literally their mentality in life is like, oh, I'm just gonna block her. I'm like, you blocked her because you had one argument. Yeah. And in, in real life, like our work too. Like I see this all the time. We're we don't have the block icon. We don't have I'm just gonna delete you or you yeah. know, I'm gonna limit your access to my life. Like I feel like we're so used to what the cyber world has created. I, for feel, us. Like, I feel like social media has made us more distant socially. Mm -hmm. I agree, but it, it helps. Like, like I said, with those with, you know, social anxiety or depression, it helps. But at the same time, we're losing skills. Like imagine, you know, the young generation who didn't have that time where there was no social media and, literally you went outside and played or where social media was so new that we kind of just had it for the sake of having it, but it wasn't yeah. like, I need to be on here 24 seven. Or post my every single thought that goes through my head. Oh my gosh. That irritates the crap out of me. I'm like a girl, just call me that. If you need to tell me this, like <laughs> don't post quotes after quotes, after quotes. <laughs> it's like you bought a Coke zero at the gas station. It's like, again, <laughs> incorrigible, you know, <laughs> somebody heart reacts. It. I, that's a, another thing. Like I use social media primarily nowadays to either advertise the podcast or I share some stupid meme once every week. Like I'm really not on there. Like I used to be. And I'm praying that as these kids get older, they start to stray away from it and start to find themselves out in the real world. Like, uh, dude, like when I when I was grounded as a teenager for a speeding ticket that I got, my parents were like, "You can't even use the house phone." This is like the early two thousands. I didn't have a cell phone yet. And I was like, "Okay, fine, I get it." So I got some stamps and I like wrote letters to my friends at school on a Monday to be like, "Hey, Miranda, did you get my response yet? You'll get it Thursday." You know, like it's like in seven to ten. I was like, days. that was when it was easier to like not just be on the internet and like uh, convey ideas like that. You took effort, you took time, and you put the work in to like go and engage with people in a societal fashion. You know, like, that's what we need again. And to go back to that, you know, on the counter to all of the you know negative things that uh, I I've been highlighting uh, and that we've been discussing with social media, there are. You know, we've talked about a couple of the positives, but we have the ability to communicate with people all over the world. Like without social media, we would not have gotten into contact with you. And this session right now would not be happening 
And I doubt this podcast would exist. So there are a lot of really cool things that do come with it. It's just, I think the issue is finding a balance and figuring out how to not lose ourselves in the process. I agree. But I mean, I guess the question I like to ask is, do you think schools should now implement social media like etiquette and how to use social media and how to have social skills? I think sounds like a non-religious church. I think that that comes down to the person because I'll tell you what. Um, okay, maybe maybe etiquette would be good. Maybe uh, some sort of uh, social. What's the word I'm looking? Sociology, like some sort of sociology class, or just like sort of like interaction and uh, I guess Sorry. etiquette, as you say, just like so people know how to handle themselves and navigate it in a respectful and non-toxic man- manner. Uh, if if it's gonna indeed be something that's here to stay, which I think it is, common at this courtesy. Point, it's just like you know, parents I think have a big thing to do with this too, because children and teenagers aren't monitored the way they were whenever I was a teenager. Um, they're not looking over your shoulder anymore. You're kind of you have an iPhone in your hand. You have a you have a MacBook. Nobody's monitoring what you're doing, who you're talking to, and there's nobody there to stop it from going too far, I guess. What are you pointing at, Adam? Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I I think that's a, a good idea, maybe. Like what you suggested, the whole social <coughs> etiquette on social media. That would be helpful, maybe. And also regulation, self, self-monitoring and self-regulation of how long and how much time you're putting into social media, too. Like I'll teach yeah. these kids to, you know, like two hours a day. Yeah. Put the phone and that's not going to happen. I'm on my phone fucking eight hours a day. Not, not nonstop, but I'm looking at my phone all day and it's just ingrained in myself at this point, but just uh, knowing when to look away from it and look up from your phone <laughs> and look at what's around you and what's going on around you and who's around you and what's going on <laughs> beyond the, the windows in your in your computer or on your on your cell phone but i think with the younger generation i don't if they don't know what life looked like before social media how are they supposed to know like okay so we need to like monitor this i need to not be on here for 10 hours a day like i mean i i have an iphone and i know apple like shames you when you're on <laughs> like Facebook for 10 hours, they're like, well, ma'am, you were on Facebook for 10 hours. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I just don't know. Cause I have younger cousins, nieces and nephews, and I, I just don't know how to explain it to them because they don't know what life is like without social media, without internet, without a cell phone. I mean, it, kids are getting cell phones in first grade now. And, and that will never ne- have children. That will never happen. They will. I was 16 <laughs> when I got my first cell phone. I was 14 and I still have the same number. <laughs> and it was a little track phone that didn't even flip open. It was like a Nokia track phone. And I was able to send text messages and place calls and play snake. Like that's all I had with my first cell phone. Did my son Erickson slider best phone ever. It's, Anyways, this is not <laughs> something that is unobtainable at this point in time. We just need I, it. We've gone too far. Parents need to look at their kids and be like, get off your damn cell phone, go play outside or go sit under a tree and play on your phone. Like get outside and maybe something might catch your eye. If you look up long enough, 
that you might want to pay attention to something well, that's not behind us. That's the thing. Back to the point, like we're all obsessed with being our online personas. Like we have a you know split reality of who we are. And I feel, like, and that's what we try to. I feel embellish. a a a breath of a literal breath of fresh air, and both <laughs> figuratively and literally. Whenever I go outside and I stop looking at my cell phone, and you know I go out to a lake or you know go on a hike or something, it's like. I feel more connected and I feel more grounded with myself. And I, I feel that social media is taking that from people. If they are not monitoring how much social media they're regulating. Yeah. And I, I, this is all opinion. This is all my opinion too. Somebody else might have a completely different, what are you doing, Adam? Why are you drawing on me? Read my Jesus name. Christ. Sorry, just it's like you're like me. testing me right I am. now. To... All the time. You can't even read it. See, you just <laughs> bothering me. Anyways, back to the point. Let's get back on topic. I have Sitting a here making for this you. like deep speech and then you're drawing on the um... <laughs> It's just my name and it looks like a die. Anyways, <sighs> uh, I have a question for you though. Uh-huh. It was what do you think is the most commonly overlooked or disregarded mental illness in this, you know, point in time? You know, it's like we just changing the subject here. No, like yes. Tyler went on a rant, and uh, we're just. Gonna... What do you think that you encounter most frequently, and like it's a commonly overlooked diagnosis? Um, I would say depression and anxiety, just because people have given depression the oh you're just a sad person, and anxiety being oh you're just stressed out or you're overthinking things, and not acknowledging that someone could be. So, so sad and have such dark thoughts and not be able to say, okay, I can't smile. I can't laugh. I can't enjoy my life because these thoughts, this feeling is just such a burden on me that I have a mental illness. I, I need to go to therapy. I need to take meds. I need to have structure in my life or anxiety being that I'm not just stressed out or quote unquote overthinking things. I have a bodily response to the point my heart is pounding and I the head the room is spinning and I can't breathe and I feel out or I'm gonna die so those are the two big ones because personally I have been told oh you're just stressed out it's fine just take a day off or two and you'll be fine hmm fair enough (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, I I like that and I love it just I don't like it I love it I I, want to check in with you and make sure uh, with your scheduled black, uh, your blackout that you're, that you, these flex, whatever they are, um, are we in danger of rolling into one of those? I just don't want to unexpectedly lose you. Oh, no, no, that was yesterday, not today. Oh, so that's not oh, an issue good. today. No, no, that oh, was no, yesterday. No, no. That's why I said it was good that we didn't record yesterday because we probably would have gotten cut out. Okay. Oh, yeah, fantastic. I, I wasn't sure how it like, lined up schedule was. Yeah, I didn't know if that was something that we were going to have to potentially deal with tonight that's as well. That's why I think that hard left went back to the topic. Okay, yeah, I was a little offended by that. Like, yeah, I know you were. I like, saw your face. Yeah, right I'm, next, sitting, I'm here, sitting right beside you. Feel like I'm making a great point, and then Adam's like, you know, let's uh, just move on to the next question here. <laughs> and I'm like, but the time, you but, know. Like, but no, now that really, makes a little more sense, yeah, and I'm a lot less offended. But uh, and by the way, I'm sorry <laughs> if it seems like we're just going off the rails on this side, but. This is what we do sometimes. And also my coughing. I had a weird virus this past <laughs> Oh, no, no. I, I enjoy this. It's refreshing because we... You enjoy the fact that I got a virus? Thank you. No, no. I'm sorry. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, no, I'll make it. Um, so, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> but no, it's refreshing because, you know, when I do our podcast, we try to stay on topics. We don't really get to banter. We do banter. We banter like best friends, but we do it over the internet. So we don't have that um, commodity. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm sure if we did it in person, we probably would be just like you guys. Which is oddly <laughs> on point for what we're talking about with social media. <laughs> no, it's, Being in person or not. I, I got to say, I got to reiterate that I have so nothing against it. social media. And please, listeners, know that I'm not some anti-social media fanatic. Like, he I use it. it. I, I'm on me. it right he now. But <laughs> we're talking about mental health, and we're talking about mental health in society. And I think that Why the important. primary element of that is the, 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 the most likely to get out of control is social media and how it influences us. And that's all I want to say on that. And I just wanted to make that very clear that there is a there is a use to it and it can be helpful and useful and healthy if done in moderation. And that's my take. You might uh, you might feel differently. You might agree with me. Either way, I had to get my two cents out there on it. But um, next question. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Another question that we do have is uh what would you say in your profession uh what is your favorite mental illness i guess to address as far as patient diagnosis diagnoses go um like when somebody comes in like well they say i have this you're like oh buddy i'm excited like any of those (laughs) so I guess schizophrenia. I when patients have delusions, I just find it so interesting. <laughs> I am like, wow, like, and you know, as a therapist, we're not supposed to challenge those delusions. So I just go with them, like, oh my. So people are following you, like, tell me more. Who are these people? Oh, you have a microchip? Like, how did that chip get in there? Like, who did it? And like, I'm with COVID. <laughs> that sounds I had, amazing. <laughs> it, it's, I mean, it's, it's just fascinating. Not it's like, so, like it is because yeah, they're it's just fascinating. You, it is. And when COVID happened, I mean, those delusions were off the roof. Like, I remember patients telling me, like, I have COVID. And I'd be like, oh, why do you think that? Oh, because, like, China sent it to me. I, you know, I'm going against China's rules. And it was like, what they saw on the news is what their delusions had become. And, I mean, elaborate stories. I had patients calling the FBI. The, <laughs> You know, it was really bad. We had- it was extreme, but yeah, I like, get it. actually calling the FBI no, so the phone like if they dial <laughs> so certain like, numbers uh, it goes to the front desk but the front desk the person's <laughs> a therapist and so she's like oh okay sir you know thank you for letting me know like you know we'll, we'll get right on it and like <laughs> the patients would be like oh my gosh like FBI and they're gonna come we down here got through. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like well, how would you get to the FBI and I mean it, it's just hilarious just I mean it's not hilarious but it's I mean, it is it, kind of funny. In a certain <laughs> context, it's hysterical. It's like you answer the phone knowing what's going to happen on the other end. You're like, hello, FBI. It's you like your, your job, and I don't think that's quite how it goes. I and think I'm just jokingly. But, yeah, sorry. but I think that you are resigned to, you know, looking at it for, uh, as a professional, it being your profession. But as a whole, it is kind of amusing, and it's cool that you – do you guys allow that to kind of like flow organically and like you don't shut them down? Yeah, you don't shut them down. You kind of just let it let it happen because they're not going to really know the difference if they're th- to that point. 
where they feel like they're actually going to make contact with the FBI, it's probably best to just let them believe that it happened, right? Um, yes and no. I mean, it really depends. Like, I've had patients who have legitimately called 911 and had the whole crew come down there and say, this person's trying to kill me, and it's like a whole investigation. Oh, so- oh Oh shit. So we've had like serious, like for example, back in grad school, I was interning at a facility and this, this, I don't know how in the world this patient got through past the front desk, but she got a hold of the captain of the county, the police chief or police chief. Yeah. And told them that someone was trying to kill her. She gave the person's name, information where they lived, everything. And they went knocking on the door on that person and said, you're under arrest. Oh, wow. Oh, snap. So for in that situation, like we had to sit down with her and say, you know, why do you think that like this person doesn't live in the facility? You live in a locked facility. How is that possible? Um, and we had to challenge her delusions, but, and it didn't, it did not end well. She ended up ripping the poor person's hair off. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, it got really violent. Um, but I mean, so it really depends. Like with my current situation, we kind of just roll with it because there's a lot more monitoring, but they've sent letters out, like some threatening letters. And I'm like, why would you send that out to someone? And they're like, well, they're trying to kill me. Like they told me last night in my dreams, they're trying to kill me. And I'm like, but that's a dream. Like, you know, they didn't really come to you. And how are they going to kill you? They can't come in the facility. Right. So, I mean, we go with it, but when it comes to like danger to self, danger to others, or where I'm like, oh, like. Yeah, take it into consideration. Right. So we, we do roll with it, but sometimes we have to challenge it. And, you know, it's uh, 50 50. Either they're like, okay, I hear what you say, or they retaliate. So. Yeah. So, as a, you know, after, after everything that we've discussed uh, during this session here, do you. Do you ever feel overwhelmed or do you feel like what you're doing is, you know, like too stressful or is it, are you kind of like right where you, right where you want to be? Like, are you, are you comfortable doing what you do? It sounds like you put your, like, sometimes you're in some somewhat uncomfortable situations. Do you ever, ever have those days where you question your, you know, your career choice? Absolutely. Um, I, you know, working in a psychiatric hospital, I don't really have that boundary per se, whereas private practice, it's like, okay, we have our 45 minutes and then you leave. This is more like my entire shift at any given time. I could spend 10 hours with the same person dealing with the crisis at hand and it becomes really draining. And then I start questioning like, is this really what I wanted to do? Like when I envisioned becoming a social worker, I didn't envision myself sitting in front of a bedroom door trying to convince a patient to, open the door so that we can make sure that they're safe or, you know, have feces and soap bars thrown at me. So yes, I do question it quite often. (laughs) (laughs) Not to laugh, uh, but I I mean, you're laughing a little bit too. So I guess it's okay. It just sounds really, really stressful. And I commend you and uh, those like you that do what you do for being patient enough to deal with all of that and, show up the next morning to do it all again. So do you have a real quick one question lightning round I want to throw out? Shoot, Adam likes to do these lightning rounds. I so think this is the second time. Out of nowhere. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, you ready? Yeah, are, okay. you, are you good? Okay. <laughs> Don't think, just answer. Okay. Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. 
Yeah. Which one? Which one's your favorite? I would say the originals with um, the original trilogy. Yes. Carrie Fisher. Trilogy. With Carrie Fisher, yes. But which one of the original trilogy? I don't know. I'm wearing Boba Fett earrings right now. I just want you to know that. Oh. <laughs> You don't, I don't know. I grew up with them as a kid because I was something that didn't have inappropriate content in it. So I yeah. I don't have one favorite. I think they're the, the whole franchise. I love it. But you, but you think the original trilogy is the best? Yes. Perfect. I feel like See, the old new ones aren't that fun to me. They just seem too kind of garbagey. Yeah, they're they're terrible. See, I'm a, a an episodes one three three kind of uh, myself, uh, and that upsets Star Wars. And I'm not even that big of a Star Wars fan, to be completely well, honest. Obvious, obviously, like I'm not going to front <laughs> on that. But uh, yeah, I I thought one was awesome. I really no, liked Empire one. Strikes Back, best movie ever. But that's that's on me. That's on me. And uh, free to disagree. Sorry, I just with that. had to ask. It's, I, I just had to. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, this has uh, been really fun. Um, Adam, do you have any anything we're missing here? As uh. Things that we can uh, rack rack our brain with? No, no. Um, honestly, I don't. You know, we're pushing an hour and fifteen. Uh, I don't want to hold you up too late, and uh, I don't want to just like. Oh wait, wait, hey, oh, I, I do. Ha I suddenly have one. Sorry, let me ask you this: Is there a dream scenario you're like? I really can't wait for a person with this mental illness diagnosis to come into my office and be like. Let's fix this. That's a really strange. Like, is, is there like one that like you're like really hoping for that you haven't experienced yet? <laughs> that is such a strange question, Adam. I've never been asked that. <laughs> it was random, but I'm like, is there one in particular like I've been waiting years to hear? This? What is, is she hoping yeah. that like Hannibal Lecter shows? Yeah, up? I don't know. <laughs> Are no, you Jodie Foster? I th I think could I say like a, a diagnosis that I'm hoping to work with? Yes, I think that's actually that's what, what I'm asking. asking. Yeah. I was being dramatic. I really want to work with like an eating disorder, like bulimia or anorexia. I haven't that's had the opportunity to work with um, warriors that have an eating disorder, and I think that would be a diagnosis challenging, but w really um, rewarding to work with. Interesting, awesome. Yeah, and I please do not take offense to any of uh, our phrasing on our questions. Um, Sorry. I know some of them may be taken as insensitive uh, on my account, on Adam's account. As you can personality um, test, I'm a logician, if that helps. It's just, we we are not in the field, so sometimes it's I'm sure it's possible that we are overlooking uh, what can be considered a, Key a, sensitive, a sensitive matter. Yeah. yeah. And Anyways, I, you've been amazing, and yeah. thank you for putting up with us. Yeah, thank you for not yelling at us or you know, hanging up on us for saying something the wrong way or, you know, crossing any lines if we happen to. Um, you've been awesome and patient and understanding. And, spaceship. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just really awesome that you've uh, taken the time to, you know, deal with us while we make it through this last hour and 15 minutes that we have. So thank, thank you, you so very much. much for being here. Oh, no. I mean, I enjoy talking about mental health. Um, I'm sorry if I was very confusing. Like I said, I was no. super anxious about this. No, no, we were all over the place, but I think you, uh, you know, everything's aces. Yeah, you, you were yeah. great, and we really do appreciate you doing taking this for the time us. to be here with us. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've got, you know, maybe you maybe have better things to do than to talk to 
two random people up in uh, Washington. Uh, but we really appreciate you doing that for us. And uh, with that being said, do you have any any last minute things you'd like to discuss or any shout outs you'd like to do before we start to wrap things up tonight? Um, no, thank you for having me. I really appreciate this. Um, I hope that this conversation continues um, outside with your other um, followers that mental health is super important. It's a conversation that we need to continue having regardless about social media, um, substance abuse, whatever, just having that awareness out is super important. And I appreciate you guys allowing me to speak with you guys and your followers about mental health and kind of just get our name out there with mental health diaries and what we're doing. So I really appreciate you guys. Hey, thank you so much. Hey, uh, hey, you have a good night and I'll let you know whenever this episode goes live. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Plug yourself real quick again. What's your Instagram? Um, It's at mental health diaries too. And your uh, podcast. Same. Health diaries. Got it. All right. You heard it. You heard it, folks. Uh, check her out. Check out what they do. It's really fascinating and informative, and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much. All right, Thank guys. You. Yeah, you have a good night. And, hey, guys, uh, with that being said, we're getting to the end of our show tonight, and just wanted to go ahead and thank our guest for once again for taking time to come talk to us and share what she does and a little insight under the inside world of mental health. It's a, it's a topic that is not discussed enough. And I think that the best thing we could do is acknowledge that and try to change that and take steps to making it a more addressed subject, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, sure. And uh, with that being said, Adam, do you have anything else to say? Any last, any final thoughts? I think I've said too much already. Yeah, you probably have. Yeah, uh, sure. All right. As always, folks, this has been Tyler and Adam's Pretentious Podcast. You bet uh, it is. I'm going to go watch some UFC fights, but y'all have a good night. Bye, y'all.